Welcome to the Schwartz on Sports podcast, hosted by Noah Schwartz. Hey guys, welcome to Schwartz on Sports, episode number 18 here on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I'm your host, Noah Schwartz. Uh, welcome back to the show. Super Bowl preview here today on the show. That's what I was planning to spend the entire episode doing, and I would have loved to talk all about Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and the GOAT versus the future GOAT and Andy Reid and all the other dynamics that goes into the biggest football game of the entire year. But of course, Trevor Bauer heads ruin it, so thanks to Trevor Bauer. He signed about a half an hour ago, so this is almost live reaction to what happened. He is now going to become a Dodger, uh, the biggest free agent on the baseball market this offseason. He decided to head to the world champion Dodgers on a ginormous deal. It's a three-year deal with two opt-outs, so he can become a free agent again next year if he wants to. He'll make $40 million in year one. He'll make $45 million if he chooses to in years two and in year three. And it's one of the biggest contracts in baseball history in terms of annual value. The reigning Cy Young winner from the Cincinnati Reds. And this was really a, a clown show. I mean, a, a whole mystery that went on for months and months with Trevor Bauer, where he would go how he would ultimately announce his decision. I mean, there was so, so much that went into this. And it all sort of came to a head yesterday and today where we found out that the Mets and the Dodgers, my favorite team obviously being the Mets, were the two finalists, and one of those teams was ultimately going to get Trevor Bauer. And it seemed like the Mets were the heavy favorite for most of this process. Uh, it seemed like there was some sort of a deadline the Mets had set on Bauer to make a decision uh, by today, this is Friday, at, at at noon Eastern, and he decided that he wasn't going to use that deadline. He was going to push even farther back, um, and he was even putting out some sort of weird messages on his social media, on his Linktree account, where he was saying that Mets fans could buy uh, some sort of Bauer uh, Mets apparel and stuff like that, and you, you could buy it, and he was sending emails that with the LFGM, let's bleeping go Mets in there, and so it seemed like the Mets were, that was the team he was going to go to. And I saw multiple sources online that said that it really seemed like the Mets were the heavy favorite and that he was ultimately going to sign there. But him and his agent, Rachel Luba, utilized every sort of piece of leverage they could. And they were able to ultimately send Bauer home because he's a Southern California kid. And uh, that's where he's going to end up pitching next year. It might only be a one-year experiment. It might be a very short-term thing. We know Bauer loves to sort of do things by the beat of his own drum. But, yeah, he's a Dodger, and as a Mets fan, I mean, I think a lot of Mets fans are sort of upset today that he really took us for quite a ride over these last few months. We really thought, I think a lot of Mets fans thought that he was ultimately going to come to Queens and be the co-ace alongside Jacob deGrom for this team, at least for a season, if not for far longer. But he's going to be a Dodger, and I think fans now, especially, you know, people that didn't love Bauer in the first place like me, they're thinking about other guys that... You know, you can you can use and, and maybe you can use that money that you would have spent on Bauer, the forty-ish million, to get guys who are not only help not only help you in terms of your position players, but guys who just help your depth, right? So Jackie Bradley Jr. is somebody that I think a lot of Mets fans are high on the center fielder. You can use him uh, in a variety of different ways, and he'll be far cheaper than Bauer was. Jake Odorizzi, a consistent arm, he'll give you two hundred innings a season or so. Maybe they choose to sign him to get an extra starter. They could use another reliever if they wanted to. 
Maybe there's a trade coming for a guy like Chris Bryant from the Chicago Cubs. There's been plenty of rumors about that. So we'll see ultimately what the Mets decide to do. We know they're not finished. There's going to be moves they make because they have money to spend and there's no reason for them not to spend it. So they'll do that. But for the Dodgers, I mean, what a what a move this was. And to to come in, swoop in at the last minute and make this happen was, I mean, really impressive. And the Dodgers are a model franchise. They've, they're just coming off a World Series win. And they continue to show us why they do things the right way. Uh, they have had so much success on the free agent market, making trades, developing players from their minor league system, claiming guys off waivers that nobody thought would be anything special. And, you know, you have Chris Taylor and Max Muncie, all-star caliber players who they just happen to grab from random teams. They do things the right way. And I guess they sold Bauer on being the top of the analytic, top, at the top of the analytics chain, right? At the He must have really been impressed by all that because I didn't think the Dodgers were at the top of Bauer's list for that long. I, I really thought the Mets were maybe his favorite destination, and the Angels were in this for a while, and it seemed like maybe he would go to L.A. to the other team. But throughout this whole process, through the last four or five months, we've always heard the Dodgers that they were lurking in the background. We always heard, well, you know, he might go to this team, but the Dodgers are still here. He might go to this team, but the Dodgers are still interested. And right at the last minute, when it really counted, they came in and made the biggest offer, or at least the offer that was most enticing, the offer that allowed Bauer to hit the market again if he so would choose to in a year or two. And they're going to have him now, and they're going to have a loaded team, and they're going to be the heavy favorites yet again to win another title. Uh, that rotation is going to be just absolutely stacked. It was last year, and now they add David Price coming off his uh, 2020 opt-out, and now Bauer. It's it's insane the amount of talent that the Dodgers have, and I would ha- I would expect them to be the heavy favorites. Like I said, I mean the Padres are, are really good, the Mets are going to be good, uh, the Atlanta Braves are really really talented, but the Dodgers have just a mix of championship experience, youth, uh, veterans, guys who have played in huge games, and they've won eight straight NL West titles. So you know they know what they're getting into in terms of trying to. Uh, make another run. So we'll see if they end up doing it, but they definitely have the early edge here in the National League um, with with Trevor Bauer, the reigning signing winner. Massive contract, and they'll be far and away uh, the top team, the team that everybody wants to go and beat, especially now that they're the champs, and they kind of swooped in and made this big move at the last minute. And I think one other, thing, one other uh, point I should make before I move on to, to football is, and I, I talked about this on a, on a previous episode, you know, baseball's declining popularity is to me something that's really an issue. And the way that the game has sort of been diminished and basketball and football have taken control over so many young kids and, and people who are just trying to get into sports, right? Like there's people that are 10, 12, 14 years old that want to become sports fans. And it's like, which sport do I follow? Well, football and basketball have really become the two most popular sports for kids to get into. And baseball's popularity is just declining. And I think there's a lot of reasons for it. Baseball is a slow game. It's not always the most exciting. There's a lot of strikeouts and home runs now. Don't necessarily show much action. But if there's any stat that I want to point out that I think would really explain this issue well, it's this one. So I got to give credit to Ryan Field of ABC7 in New York uh, for pointing this out. He tweeted it out maybe 10 minutes ago. And I think it's a great thing for, uh, for people to realize. So in 2021, Trevor Bauer with the Dodgers is going to make $40 million. The entire roster for the Cleveland Indians is going to make just about $36 million. So $36.5 million. So Bauer's salary alone is greater than the entire ro- entire roster of the Cleveland Indians. And it just goes to show you that without a salary cap, 
and a better system that baseball has in terms of its CBA, this is how it's going to be. The big market teams are going to spend a ton of money. They're not going to care. And the small market teams are just going to fall further and further into irrelevance. And it's really been a bad thing for baseball for a while now. I think it's becoming a bigger problem each and every year. The, the pandemic has only exacerbated that. So most of the teams around the league didn't have a shot at Bauer. It came down to New York and Los Angeles. Ultimately, he picked Los Angeles. But I'm worried about baseball. I'm worried that they, they didn't decide to go ahead with this new DH rule. They had a, a really um, excellent proposal that I felt that they could try and work with that was sent to the Player, Players Association recently. They declined it. Nothing happened. Uh, so there's no DH next year. It looks like they're going to have a full 162-game season starting on April 1st. And I'm just worried that when a lot of these players came into the league, they're going to end up leaving it, and the game's going to be in a worse place than it was when they came. So it's tough. Not really a lot that I can do just as a fan to sort of push the game forward and help it progress. But from from my perspective and seeing the way that it's gone since I was a little kid, it's it's pretty concerning and and it's not something that I can say I'm really proud of to, to watch the game that I love so much sort of fall further and further into a state of disaster. So I'm going to be right back. We'll get to all the football stuff for this weekend. Obviously, we got the Super Bowl. I can't wait. It's one of my favorite events of the entire year. And when it's Mahomes and Brady, it's going to be really, really exciting. So I'll get into all that, the matchups, what it means for the two quarterbacks, and much more when we come back. This episode of Schwartz on Sports is brought to you by Invader Coffee. Invader Coffee is an ultra-premium, veteran-owned coffee company, proudly delivering only the best coffee your hard-earned money can buy. They aim to serve only the highest quality organic air-roasted coffee beans sourced from free trade farms all over the world. They keep things simple, the best coffee at an affordable price, in order to provide you with the value you deserve for your morning boost. 100% fair trade, 100% organic coffee beans, 100% air roasted, 100% money back guarantee. Visit invadercoffee.com and enter promo code BELLYUP at checkout to receive 15% off your order. Hey everybody, welcome back. Episode number 18 here on Schwartz on Sports on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Back to talk about the Super Bowl. Just did a, a whole topic on Trevor Bauer and him spurning my beloved New York Mets today with his free agency decision, but we'll move off baseball and we'll head to football because it's the biggest week of the year in sports this week with Super Bowl, with the Super Bowl happening on Sunday. Chiefs and the Buccaneers, obviously. A three-point uh, line so far with the Chiefs favored slightly. We'll see if that line changes from now and kick off on Sunday at 6.30, but for now it's a three-point betting line and that's probably where it will stay. Maybe move slightly, but I expect it to be right around three. And there's a lot that, that we can discuss about you know, what this game means and different matchups. But here are a couple talking points that I think I'll start with just to sort of explain what I'm going to be looking for once kickoff uh, happens on Sunday. So let me start with this. How does Tampa Bay match up with the greatness of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey? These guys are two of the greatest pass catchers that I've seen in my lifetime. Tyreek is the fastest player, hands down. And Travis Kelsey is the most dominant tight end, hands down. There's nothing you can really do with these guys. Now, Tampa Bay got torched by Tyreek the last time they played late in the regular season. I believe it was week 12. And Tyreek went for over 200 yards in the first quarter from Mahomes. He was balling. Question now is, what adjustments do the Buccaneers make defensively in order to keep up with this guy and then also shut down 
the great tight end in, in Travis Kelsey. Again, not much you can really do with either guy. They're both so dominant. They were two of the top receivers in the league this year, yards-wise. But what you can do is make it tough on them. And that's what I think Tampa Bay really has to try and do. They need to double-team. They need to bracket these guys. And they need to be physical with them so that Tyree can't just run by you right in the line of scrimmage and run down the field for 50 yards and and have Mahomes find him for a wide-open touchdown. You can't let Travis Kelsey break away from his safety or linebacker whoever's guarding him and find himself with green grass for 10 yards and nobody around him. And that's what we've seen so many times throughout this season where Mahomes just runs around and does what he does trying to avoid the pass rush and all of a sudden he just finds somebody that is so wide open there's nothing you can do. You can't tackle him because he's just going to waltz into the end zone for an easy touchdown. You can't do that. right? So you have to make it difficult on these guys and that involves being physical and just trying to do anything that you can in order to make sure that these guys don't torch you. And we've seen in the playoffs that I think officials have been more willing to swallow their whistles on plays that are questionable holding calls or questionable pass interferences. We definitely saw it in the NFC title game uh, with the Packers and Tampa. The other thing that I'm definitely going to be looking for is how Mahomes is able to avoid that pass rush when he's down two stars on the offensive line. He's down his left tackle in Eric Fisher, who went down uh, in the championship game. That was a brutal injury. And then Mitchell Schwartz has been out for a lot of this season. And he's a great right tackle. So they'll both be out for the Super Bowl. How does Mahomes avoid the pass rush, which is terrific, by the way, for Tampa Bay? They're one of the best front sevens in football, the best rush defense in the league, one of the top pass rushers. They're a little more vulnerable on the back end, which is another concern in terms of Hill and Kelsey. But these guys are going to be coming from Mahomes. And I expect to see a lot of blitzing and a lot of their top players getting into the backfield trying to wreak havoc on Mahomes. And then that includes Devin White, their awesome young linebacker, Levante David, Jason Pierre-Paul, um, Shaquille Barrett. I mean, they, they have a lot of top-line players in their front seven, all of whom are going to be set out to really make it difficult on Mahomes. And obviously we saw Mahomes with the foot injury back in the first playoff game they had against Cleveland. Can he still is, – is he 100%? Can he move the way that maybe we, we've, we've seen him move throughout his career? We don't know that. So – I'm a little concerned, if I, if I was a Chiefs fan, I'd be a little concerned about how Mahomes can stay upright and avoid this really, really excellent pass rush when the, when the offensive line is going to be so banged up. And throughout the season, the Kansas City offensive line has been really underrated. I mean, they've done a lot of good work keeping Mahomes healthy. Can they do that in the Super Bowl with a bunch of backups? I don't know. That's a tough question. What can Kansas City do, by the way, to annoy Brady? Because on the other side, Brady's got all these weapons too. I mean, he's got Mike Evans, who's as good as it gets. And Godwin's amazing. Antonio Brown's been great. And he's got Gronk, his best buddy, and Cameron Bright. I mean, he's got so many excellent weapons in his own right. And what can Kansas City do, who, by the way, doesn't have a great defense. Their defense is maybe mediocre. What can they do to annoy Brady, get into the backfield, make it difficult on him? It's a tough question. Now, Steve Spagnuolo's done a nice job this season because I don't think he has a ton of talent. But they've still been able to be middle of the pack or so. And they've never really played an offense like this that's clicking in the way that Brady's offense is clicking right now. When they played back in Week 12, they were still sort of figuring their way through things, and it was the last loss that the Buccaneers suffered all season because they've won every game since then, including all their playoff games, obviously. And back in, 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 in that game, they were still trying to feel their way through it. I mean, Brady had, is still a new team, first season there, difficult offseason, there's COVID, so it's hard. And it's not a lot I'm taking away from their previous matchup. 
I do think Kansas City really needs to try and get to Brady. Obviously, he's 43 years old. He can't run around around run around the same way he used to be able to. And if you can make it tough on him and get into his face and make him play less than instinctually, then maybe you've got a better chance to slow their offense down. But their offense is clicking at a really high level. Both offenses have been. And I want to see what both defenses are able to do in order to stop them because I expect to see a high-scoring game on Sunday, uh, probably into the 30s. Now here's the one, one other thing I want to point out. I haven't really talked about the run game yet at all for either team because mostly these teams have been heavily reliant on their passing attacks. And, and Brady's had an amazing season at age 43, and Mahomes has obviously continued his historic pace. But don't rule out these teams looking to run the football more than maybe we initially thought. And the reason I say that is because I go back to last year when Kansas City played San Francisco, who, similar to Tampa, had an amazing front seven. And we remember it was Robert Sala's defense. They had first-round picks everywhere, DeForest Buckner and Nicky Bosa. I mean, they had a tremendous front seven. And despite that, despite being weaker in the secondary, at least slightly weaker, they didn't run, they didn't throw the ball as much as I thought Mahomes was going to. They ran the ball a lot. And you remember that a lot of people argued that Damian Williams, the running back there, should have won Super Bowl MVP for Kansas City. He scored the late touchdown. He was terrific. So I only say that because watch out for the run games on Sunday. Maybe it's not the, the matchup we were looking at. Maybe it's not what we expected to happen. But don't rule it out. Andy Reid is very, very surprising. And he does things that you don't expect. So if Daryl Williams or maybe Olivian Bell or Clyde Edwards-Elaire has a big game, don't be surprised necessarily. It just may be a part of the planet for Andy Reid that none of us were thinking he would actually try. And the same goes for Tampa, by the way, because for as much as Bruce Arians loves to push the ball down the field and throw a ton of deep passes with Brady, they might want to get Ronald Jones heavily involved or get Leonard Fournette, who's had a terrific postseason, heavily involved. Again, not saying it's going to happen, but I wouldn't rule it out. And I also wouldn't rule out special teams playing an impact in this game. For some reason, and I've noticed this in recent Super Bowls, special teams, whoever does that better, typically wins. We've seen that many times before with return touchdowns. I remember the one uh, a number of years back between the, the Ravens and the, the 49ers, uh, the, the return touchdown by Jacoby Jones. There was the Percy Harvin return touchdown uh, after halftime the, the following year. So these things do happen. Make sure your special teams are buttoned up because if you don't and you, you mess up something there, it's, a, it's, it's much easier to lose the game that way by messing something up that you should really typically get right and be buttoned up on. So that's what I'll say about that. Um, I also want to talk about just the GOAT conversation because it's alive and well. And for as much as Brady has sort of taken over control of the greatest of all time uh, title, at least in football, we've got an, another person here on the field on Sunday who might be taking his throne at some point sooner than many people think. So I love these goal conversations. I love to talk about it with basketball. I'll talk about it with football all the time. I really enjoy making lists and ranking different players and whatnot. So I'm a big Mahomes fan. I think he's amazing. And for many people, Brady and his six Super Bowls, that's a record that will never be touched. I don't necessarily think that's untrue, but I also don't think that Mahomes needs the six Super Bowls or seven Super Bowls to actually take the throne from Brady. So what I've always said is, in addition to looking at how many games you win and how many championships you win, when I'm talking about who's the greatest, 
I look at talent, I look at what skills you have, I look at your attributes, I don't just look at winning, because there's a lot of reasons for why Brady's won. I mean, he's won Super Bowls in, in large part because he's so great, but Belichick's been there, and he's got great receivers like Randy Moss and Wes Welker and, and Julian Edelman and Gronk. I mean, he's had great weapons. The, the defense he's always had has been great. Um, they've always had a running game. So he's always had a loaded roster alongside him. So, again, not, not everything is, is on the other guys, but Brady, he hasn't done it all himself. With Mahomes, he also has a great coach. He also has a great organization. And he also has great players around him. But he also has talent that Brady could never even try and match. The way he runs, the way he can throw the ball 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 yards even down the field, the way he throws no-look passes and throws the ball sidearm and just everything he can do, his athleticism, his creativity, Brady can't touch that. Brady is the old school, drop back in the pocket, find the guy 15 yards down the field, I'll be accurate and I'll hit him. Mahomes does things that we've never seen. And so I consider his talent to be once in a million. I mean, seriously, just something that we, we get once every generation or so. And so I think that if he can win on Sunday, he's got two Super Bowls in his first three years of starting. That's already one-third of the way to Brady. Obviously, this has to be Mahomes wins. But two Super Bowls in three years is a lot, plus an MVP, okay, plus the unanimous title of being the best quarterback on the planet right now, because he is. And if he can keep up this pace and possibly win one or two or three more Super Bowls, to me, he's the GOAT. Like, if he gets four Super Bowls and Brady ends with six, but Mahomes has a ton of passing records and has thrown for all these touchdowns and racks up MVPs and, and Super Bowl MVPs, he's the GOAT to me. So there's a lot of people out there that will never take the throne away from Brady because he's won six Super Bowls and he's been to ten Super Bowls and he has accomplished so much and I respect him for all of his accomplishments. But what I, what I will say is he's not the talent of Mahomes. He's not even the talent of Aaron Rodgers. He's not the talent of Drew Brees even. So he's, he's his own breed. I mean, he does things his own way, and it's worked for 20-plus years. But he's not the talent of some other quarterbacks. Like he just doesn't have it in his natural ability is not to their level. So Mahomes is something that I've never seen before. I don't think anybody's seen anything quite like Patrick Mahomes. And the fact that he's done so much already at such a young age, he's only 25, it allows me to believe that if he can keep playing like this, and if obviously the Chiefs have to keep the, the, the great talent around him and Andy Reid would probably have to stay for quite a number of years into the future as the head coach. If all those things happen, and again, I'm not taking Super Bowls lightly because they're hard to win, but if he can win a couple more rings, maybe two more, and play at a really high level for another 10 years or so, and be the best quarterback in the league for a long time, he's my GOAT. So I look at this, I look at this matchup between the quarterbacks as future GOAT, or excuse me, present GOAT versus likely future GOAT. Look, Brady's great. I'm not taking away anything from him, but... Mahomes is coming for that title, and what he has accomplished so far in just a few years is extraordinary. It's something I never thought I'd see, but they're going for back-to-back -back titles, and if they get it, he is well on his way to being the recognized best quarterback that has ever stepped on a football field, at least in my opinion. All right, we'll be right back. I want to talk a little bit more about Andy Reid before we wrap up today. I can't wait for the Super Bowl. It's going to be so fun. Be right back. Belly Up Sports has recently partnered with Manscaped because proper grooming requires precision-engineered tools. Not only do men's sensitive areas require it, but hygiene demands it. Get all the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Head over right now to bellyupsports.com and at the top of the page, click the Manscaped image and shop. 
Make sure you use the promo code BellyUpFantasy to save 20% off your order. That's the promo code BellyUpFantasy to save 20% 20 off your your order. order. Welcome back. Shorts on Sports here. Episode number 18. Ready to wrap up uh, this Super Bowl edition. Just want to talk about quickly Andy Reid and his legacy if he can win another Super Bowl. And then also, just to wrap up, make my Super Bowl pick and make my Super Bowl MVP pick. So let's start with Andy Reid. Andy's one of my favorite coaches ever. He's big red. He's such a fun guy to watch on the sidelines. He's so entertaining. He's beloved. I mean, he's just really everything you could possibly want. And for so long, and I I hated this about him, but he could never get over the hump. And he was in Philly for a ton of years, and they got to all these NFC title games. They could never advance. He got to to Kansas City, it was eight, nine years ago now. He had Alex Smith. They could never win. And so he, he'd had racked up all these playoff appearances and all these regular season wins, but in the playoffs, he just couldn't win a Super Bowl. And there was the reputation of, well, he's a playoff choker, or he's not up to the level of Belichick, or he's an offensive guy, so that means he doesn't scheme up good, good enough defenses that can you know, get, get his team to, to a title. And last year, or maybe two years ago, when they first got Mahomes, I think the pressure was on him more than it ever had been because he had this quarterback that was one in a one in a jillion. And now he's going for Super Bowl number two in a span of two years. So it's really incredible. And I think, and, and you know, I wasn't alive for some of the great coaches of all time. I wasn't alive for the Bill Walsh's and I wasn't alive for the Don Shula's. I didn't see that stuff. But what I can tell you is I know Belichick is the greatest coach ever in pro football. If Andy Reid can win a second Super Bowl to go along with all his other milestones that he's racked up and just for being the greatest play caller that I've ever seen, he has to be in my top five or so of coaches ever. And I'm not going to go ahead and rank anybody. I'm not going to go ahead and make a whole list. But I don't know how you can leave Andy out at this point because he has accomplished so much, like I said, and he's just great at what he does. And on top of that, he's a fantastic leader. And he makes the teams around him fun. One of the things I always envied about Belichick was his teams win, but then at the same time, it's like, is it really that fun to watch his teams with their step defenses and run games and it's all about Brady? I never really enjoyed watching the Patriots, besides the fact that I never liked them because I'm a Jets fan, but I just never found them to be very entertaining. I give entertainment value. uh, I, I do prioritize that when I'm ranking certain things. And with Andy Reid, like, he's as entertaining as it possibly gets. Not only his personality, the way he talks on television, but his teams are fun. I mean, this Kansas City team is fun. And they look like they're having a blast out there playing together, and the plays that he draws up are just mesmerizing. I've never seen anything like it. And there are great play callers around the league, like a Sean Payton and a Matt Nagy. There are other guys. Nobody's like Andy Reid. Nobody's teams look like Andy Reid when they play offense. And it's truly amazing that he has been able to coach up this group to, their, to where they're almost unstoppable on offense. And his defense has just enough to get by most weeks. So I think Andy's a top five coach ever if he can win. He's been to the conference championship game now six, was it seven times now. And he's just done a whole lot over a very, very long period of time. So just wanted to quickly make that point because I love Andy Reid. I have a ton of respect for him. And I don't think he gets enough love from certain people just because his teams are very fun and very um, unorthodox with the way they play. Well, guess what? 
I prioritize that. I value that. I think he's great. And to me, he's one of the best that's ever done it, if he can win the Super Bowl. Even if he doesn't, he's still a Hall of Famer, but he can elevate his legacy very, very highly if he can win the Super Bowl. He's a top five coach, uh, in my mind, if he wins. All right, finally, I want to make my Super Bowl pick. I think you guys can tell I'm picking with my head and with my heart. I'm picking the Chiefs. There's no other way for me, no other way for me to put this besides the fact that I think they're the best team in the world. I've thought that for two years. I was a little skeptical when they first got Mahomes and they didn't look like everybody else, but then very quickly, it only took a couple weeks, I realized that this kid was for real and this team was for real. And they didn't win the first year because they lost to Belichick and Brady at home in the conference championship game. But I was fully sold on them and I thought, this is a team that we're gonna, we're gonna be seeing in big games for a long, long time. And they went out and dominated last year, Super Bowl champs. I picked that, so I actually get credit for that. I get credit for picking them last year. And I picked them to go 15-1 and this season and win the Super Bowl again. And I was one game off so far because they lost that last Week 17 game where Mahomes and everybody else didn't play. So I've been pretty right picking this team for a while now, and I'm not going to stop here. I think they're going to win 38-24. I think Mahomes is going to be amazing. I think he's going to throw for close to 400 yards. I think, I think Kelsey... And also, Tyree Kill are going to have awesome days. I think they're going to be fantastic. I think for the third straight game, they're both going to go over 100 yards receiving. I just don't see Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy bunting and Antoine Winfield and the other guys in that decent, not great secondary for, for Tampa being able to stop them. I just, I don't see it. And they're going to get Sammy Watkins back, and Mahomes is going to be Mahomes, and they're going to win. Now, Brady... Again, respect to Brady. Ten Super Bowls, it's an amazing achievement. But I just think that even though his team's great, they're really, really talented, they don't have enough to hang with the best football team in the world. And the Chiefs are going to be champions again. They're going to go back to Disney World and celebrate. And Mahomes is going to be Super Bowl MVP once again. Again, 38-24 is my pick. I think Kansas City is going to get close to 40 points because when they get going and they start having some fun, they're almost unbeatable. And I think we'll see that on Sunday. All right, that's going to do it for me here on Schwartz on Sports, episode 18. So fun talking about the NFL offseason. I'm excited for the offseason and the draft and everything else that we'll talk about in the future. But I love talking football. It's been fun to do it for all these weeks through the entire season. It's been tough with COVID and everything else, but we've gotten through it, and I can't wait to see what Sunday brings us. Enjoy your burgers. Enjoy your wings. Enjoy your pizza. Enjoy your chips and soda and beer and everything else. Enjoy the Super Bowl. There's truly no other day in the American calendar like it. So make sure you turn on uh, CBS at 6.30 on Sunday and enjoy the game. It's going to be quite some fun, and I'm really excited for it. Talk to you guys next week.